The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's keeping you from being the best you can be? Whatever the issue, you can clear that obstacle and come out swinging. Welcome to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. On today's show, we will feature guest experts who can bring you the tools and ideas that you need to take the next step to your personal success. Now, here is Dr. Linda Sanicola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we're taking a slightly different perspective on Be the Best You Can Be, and that's one of being in service to others. Today, my guest is Dr. Tony Heinemann, a clinical psychologist and the executive director and founder of an organization, A Home Within, which is the only national organization focused exclusively on the emotional well-being of foster youth. Dr. Tony is also clinical professor at the University of California, San Francisco in psychiatry and has been in private practice in San Francisco working with adults, children, and families for over 30 years. Dr. Heinemann consults with individuals and organizations. She is the author of several articles focused on psychotherapy with children and has made numerous presentations to lay and professional audiences about the mental health issues facing children and parents. She authored An Abused Child, Psychodynamic Understanding and Treatment, and co-edited Building a Home Within, Meeting the Emotional Needs of Children and Youth in Foster Care. She has been awarded a Leadership Fellowship from Zero to Three, a Draper Richards Social Entrepreneur Fellowship, a Social Entrepreneur Award from the Manhattan Institute, the National Jefferson Award for Outstanding Public Service, and the 2008 Civic Ventures Purpose Prize given to social entrepreneurs over the age of 60. Welcome, Dr. Tony. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you so much. You know, um, let's talk a little bit. Um, have you always worked in, with this population of foster children, or was that something that developed over time? It's, uh, I think I did what most people in mental health do. Uh, I started working with foster kids when I was in training because mm-hmm. foster children are often referred to clinics where mm-hmm. they see interns. Right. And um, usually a revolving door of interns because interns are there for six months a year or on very rare occasions, two years. Mm-hmm. And then I, along with some other colleagues, uh, continued to work with foster kids uh, and sort of always had a space for one or two in my practice. My, I was in private practice and was doing long-term individual intensive psychotherapy, but I did keep make sure to keep some space for uh, foster children. Mm-hmm. Um, now, tell me a little bit about A Home Within. Oh, because uh, foster or because foster care because private practice is the world I know. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw a need for uh, 
children to have longer-term treatment, I reached out to colleagues in, um, in private practice. One of the things that's interesting about the foster care world is that it's a pretty isolated and insulated mm-hmm. world. Yes. Uh, and most people in private practice don't know much about foster kids, and most mm-hmm. people don't know much, much about foster care. And the foster care world doesn't necessarily think of reaching out to the private sector for help. And uh, the public sector doesn't have the resources it needs to meet mm-hmm. all of the many, many uh, emotional and psychological needs. Mm-hmm. So it's a home within is uh, we reach out to clinicians in private practice. We ask each of them to take one current or former foster child into weekly pro bono psychotherapy for as long as it takes. Mm-hmm. So rather than having to change therapists because... Um, the intern leaves or because um, somebody's decided that 10 sessions is enough, You, right. we it's a private practice model so mm-hmm. that it's open-ended therapy, and we try to continue the therapy until it draws to a natural clinical close rather mm-hmm. than because of an administrative decision. Yes, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> that. I think that's the world that we all used to operate in, and some of us still, still try to, but... Um, uh, you know, I, of course, that's how you and I became acquainted. Um, I saw yes. your note, and I thought, you know, I certainly can spare an hour a week. That's no big deal. And I think right. probably most of my colleagues can. But exactly as you described, I, as I pondered our, our conversation today, it, it seemed to me that in many ways this is an invisible population. Because I don't think, you know, I've been in practice 30 years, and... I can remember very few uh, people who've been in any way in the foster system coming in for treatment. Uh, I've had a, I've had a couple of adults uh, who came in not through the uh, home within door but through mm-hmm. on their own, and it's it has a profound effect, uh, and it has a profound effect on the people around foster kids. I know. Uh, when I was at one of the Draper Richards Kaplan retreats for the social entrepreneurs, one of the other entrepreneurs talked about how uh, when he was six, his parents brought a foster child into the home, a little girl, and how excited he was about this. And, um, you know, showing her all the good hiding places and mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. thrilled with the idea. And he very said very, very sadly, but when she was about 11 or 12, they had to give her back because she just couldn't be part of the family. And this um, young man was probably in his 30s, and you could mm-hmm. you could just, uh, hate the expression, feel his pain, but you yes. really could. And mm-hmm. um, it just had a profound effect on him, and you could tell that it must have been an incredible struggle for his parents to make that decision. Oh, I, I'm sure, and it deeply touched everyone, everyone in the yes. circle, and probably her, you know, little friends and other family members. and Of course, you know, neighbors. <clears throat> Right, exactly, exactly. Um, so what are some reasons why kids enter the foster care system? The overwhelming reason, about 85% of kids come into the foster care system because of neglect. They have parents who either have uh, substance abuse difficulties mm-hmm. or mental illness or a combination that makes them unable to care for their children. Uh, happily... Uh, physical and sexual abuse are not the main reasons that kids enter foster care. Mm, mm-hmm. However, neglect is very insidious. It oh, means yes. 
nobody's paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. you. You're not getting fed on a regular basis. You may not get to school on time, mm-hmm. uh, or if you get to school at all. But just those basic needs are not being met. And I'm just talking about very basic physical needs mm-hmm. often not mm-hmm. being met, let alone, you know, cognitive, emotional, social needs of kids. Right. Right, but just getting a regular meal and clean clothes to wear and a roof, the same roof over your head week to exactly. week. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and certainly the um, the more advanced needs that you mentioned in terms of what it takes to really nurture a child, those certainly have to be absent. Those are absent, yes. And mm-hmm. often the parents mean well, they mm-hmm. want to, and they just can't. And that's often because they've come from... Um, you know, they've grown up in poverty. Mm-hmm. They have not had an easy or good start in life, and they uh, just don't have the skills um, or wherewithal to take care of children. Mm-hmm. And so um, is it usually uh, an issue where uh, Child Protective Services might be contacted, or how, how do children come into the system? I think that's the way they usually come in through the system, mm-hmm. or they may come into the system because the parent has had previous contact with the foster care agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe the parent has lost another child to um, foster care. And kids who grow up in the foster care system are six times more likely than their peers to lose their children to foster care. Mm. That's so sad to hear, isn't it? It is sad. It is that we um, there. I think one of the things for me that is always so kind of um, kind of stops me in my tracks is that you know the government is not a very good way of raising kids. We are right. governments are good at filling potholes and things like that. Um, but there are literally thousands of people in the foster care system trying to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're they're working hard. They believe they want to help kids. And um, it, 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 it doesn't work, but it doesn't mean that there aren't individuals who are working hard. And it doesn't mean that we don't save some kids' lives through foster right. care, too. I mean, right. we have to keep that in mind as well. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, and, and one thing is to, to save their lives physically, and then we want to go to that next realm, which is, I think, what you're, you're doing with uh, A Home Within, which is to save their lives emotionally. Save their lives emotionally. If you know, mental health really is the cornerstone of success. To mm-hmm. what we all need to have uh, successful, satisfying, productive lives, we have to have that foundation. And the foundation comes from having healthy relationships with adults who care about you. Right. And what we know, and all of the research demonstrates over and over again, is that a relationship is the most powerful. Um, agent of therapeutic change. Right. And so we offer the therapy, but that doesn't mean that, you know, kids who go into foster care and they have a really good, solid foster family and home, that relationship, of course, counts too. That's mm-hmm. 24-7. The right. therapist is there, you know, once or twice a week. But the therapist can help the child find ways of having a healthy relationship so that it can make other healthy relationships. Right, and, and to learn uh, about the, the foundation of trust and, and, and consistency and what that means that this space is available, you know, week in and week out, no matter what. Right. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And understandably, uh, kids who've come into the foster care system are very wary of relationships. They've been hurt. Mm-hmm. And in foster care, they may have been left over and over and over again. As caseworkers come and go, therapists come and go, they move from one foster home to another. Um, that can be um, make them you know, cautious about trusting new people. Of course. And, and my guess is that as that becomes demonstrated in the therapy, you want to be in the hands of an experienced therapist. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, we would hope, hope that would yeah. be the case. As I said, you know, kids often get, uh, foster kids often get sent to clinics where they see interns, and interns, you know, we were all there. You were there, right. and I was right. an intern, and we know uh, we were enthusiastic and we were eager, and we didn't have skills. We had to learn those skills. Right. And I think uh, foster kids need a lot of wisdom. Yes, not they do. Not energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think oftentimes children need wisdom, and children need that that stability and that idea that you know we're not rocked by various behaviors they might engage in, and you know, and questions they might ask, and and the wisdom that comes from working with that year after year or decade after decade, and as in our case, Tony, um, you know that that's so valuable for for them as they progress along. Yes. Yeah, um, we are getting ready to take a, a short break here, and um, my guest today is Dr. Tony Heineman from the Organization for Meeting the Emotional Needs of Foster Kids, which is called A Home Within. So we will be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. 
VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking today about the concept of being in service to others. And my guest is Dr. Tony Heinemann from the organization A Home Within, which helps meet the emotional needs of foster kids. So um, we were talking, I think, about some of the specific needs of uh, kids in therapy and kids in treatment. And maybe we could back up uh, a moment also and talk a little bit, Dr. Tony, about the number of placements that kids have, reasons for changes, and the consequences of multiple caregivers. Um. The average number of placements is three, uh, and remarkably, some kids are in 10, 20, even 30 different homes over the course of the time they spend in foster care. And so, I, I, I would guess that the reasons for so many homes would have to do with with uh, difficulties in placement of the child, is and maybe acting well, out, or is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, acting out. So th- th- there can be lots of reasons. I mean, a foster parent can become ill uh, mm-hmm. or change his or her mind about wanting to be a foster parent. Um, but often placements disrupt because um, it, it, it's just too hard for the child, and fam- the child to be in the family. So imagine you have a very frightened little three- or four-year-old uh, and who's having a very... It, it, is completely dysregulated, has a hard time controlling his or her behavior, hits, throws things, maybe is not yet uh, fully toilet trained, uh, hoards food, all as a consequence of having been mistreated. And the, um, the foster parents do their best to control the kid, be helpful because they want to, but it doesn't work. So the child is moved to another placement, which exacerbates the behavior. So mm-hmm. now the child is mm-hmm. acting. Every time the child is moved, the behavior typically escalates. Um, and so it's important that it's really crucial that the placement be stabilized whenever possible. And one mm-hmm. of the things that we uh, can help with is help the parents understand the behavior, help the child develop the regulatory capacities that children mm-hmm. need. You know, babies come into the world completely dysregulated. Right. Uh, they don't know anything they, about day or night. <laughs> they don't know day or night. They don't know stop crying or you're going to be okay or you can soothe yourself. They don't know all of that. Mm-hmm. They need parents to soothe them, and that's how that's how we learn self-soothing is by being right. soothed by another. Um, but it it's a long process, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it doesn't happen overnight with a newborn who's born into kind of a regular family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a long time for them, and they regress. We all know that when children are sick, they they lose some of those regulatory capacities. Mm-hmm. So these are children who need a lot of help with regulation of feelings and behavior. And are, are families educated about that um, and prepared before they uh, welcome the child into the home? In my experience, that varies enormously. Um, In some instances, 
they may have a lot of really good education and training. In other, in other instances, there's not so much available for them. And sometimes there's an emergency situation. A child, something happens, and a neighbor or a teacher will step forward and say, I could take care of that child. So they have mm-hmm. to get licensed very quickly, mm-hmm. uh, which would, could be a good thing because this is somebody who already knows the child. But there are all sorts of different circumstances that um, bring children and foster parents together. And, you know, I'm just guessing that when you, you know, everyone is traumatized when a child needs to um, go to a new home or face another placement. I I would guess that, you know, the family that he or she is leaving is traumatized as well as the child. And it must be incredibly hard on the social workers. I don't think they like to have to move kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they do it when they have because they know they have to to keep a child safe. But I think it's very hard work, and I think that's a, that's a good point that you raised. Is that we are learning to pay more attention to secondary trauma mm-hmm. or vicarious traumatization, as it's sometimes called. Mm-hmm. So that when people who and this has to do with uh, police officers, firemen, people on the front lines, but also with caseworkers and foster parents who, when you work with people who have been traumatized, just the act of working with them can be traumatic. And that's one right. of the things that we talk about at A Home Within is protecting our therapists from becoming uh, victims of secondary trauma. Mm. One of the things that I didn't mention earlier is that we... Our networks of clinicians are in communities across the country. We have 44 chapters now, and each one is headed by a clinical director who's a volunteer therapist. And in each uh, chapter, we have senior clinicians who provide pro bono consultation to the therapist Mm -hmm. so that we offer all of our therapists ongoing professional development and education. And we, uh, we do it because we know how hard this work is. And mm-hmm. you stop to think, we ask therapists to take one kid into weekly therapy, and we offer an hour every week of consultation mm-hmm. um, to help Yeah, that. one-on-one, that's pretty intense. <laughs> it's not one-on-one, it's in groups. No, no, I'm sorry, groups, I'm five, one, per, one hour per one hour. Yeah, one hour for one hour. And then when you think about in the public system, there probably just aren't, I know there aren't resources to do that. Um, right. And... Um, so caseworkers are seeing lots of traumatized kids every single day, every single week, and and don't get the kind of um, support and training that they really need to do that because resources are stretched so very thin. Right, and it, it seems like that's really another huge need in the, I would guess, in the system because, uh, you know, as you said, they're traumatized as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So, I mean, they're just, uh, the more we speak about the various nuances uh, of, of uh, treating foster kids, we, it just strikes me that there's a huge need on many different levels. There's a huge need. Um, you know, I, I think you could safely say um, that every child who comes into the foster care system has, is a traumatized child. Oh, I'm, I'm sure of that. doing screening yeah. for trauma, and I sort of think, really? Um, they're in foster care. They've been traumatized. Yes. Um, and so let's get in there and address that need as fast as we possibly can. Right. And don't, and don't make them wait if we possibly can. Um, right. So, but, uh, I'm sorry. 
How many uh, foster kids have come through your system? Do you know? Uh, through our system? Yeah, uh, home with it. Around 1,300, I think, at last count. Wow. And and um, so there are those the ones that have graduated, or are those does that include the the ones who are still in treatment? Council ones who are still in treatment. So okay. um, we see, on average, the kids are seen for three and a half years. That's just the the way it kind of works out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it and we need therapists for anybody in your audience out there who might be interested in joining us. Because um, because we do open-ended long-term work, once I assign or we assign a therapist to a child or a teenager, that therapist is no longer available. You know, he or she's not going to see the, the kid for a month and then see another kid. It's going to be, um, it's, a big, it's a big commitment. On the other hand, as you say, you can always squeeze one more hour into your practice, but we yes. are asking for an open-ended treatment. And some of our kids stay in touch with their therapist for five, six, seven years. Um, and, and it really, it, it is, as you said earlier, a relationship. Yes. Yeah. So that relationship can continue even after the treatment is over. Like you say, I imagine they stay in touch. Or, you know, I got a card recently from a woman who's in her early 30s, and I treated her when she was 16. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, I think that we all appreciate those those contacts and that feedback, that, that especially to, to learn when someone is doing well. I think so, and I think that's another important thing about the private practice model. You may still be in the same office, but, mm-hmm. but you, you, where you saw her when she was 16, she knew where to find you. Yes. Where if you're an intern in a clinic, it's going to be pretty hard for the people you saw in the clinic to track you down. The, right. the people who run the clinic may not know where you are anymore. Usually they don't, I'm sure of that. And, you know, there's so much change that is uh, going on in the life of an intern and a postdoc person and, you know, who knows where they wind up. Might not even be in the same state. So uh, it's that concept we keep going back to stability and structure. We go back to stability and structure, and we also have a saying at a home within, nobody ages out of a home within. So Mm -hmm. imagine... And, of course, people do age out of the foster care system. Yes, they uh, do. They're, they're usually at the age of 18, they lose um, their services. Some states, it's 16 or 18 now, uh, have extended that time to 21, which is good. And we know mm-hmm. statistics are that providing services through the age of 21 makes an enormous difference in the health physical, emotional health and productivity and satisfaction of kids who have that uh, service extended for them. But you, in private practice, you you would not have said to that 16-year-old girl on her 18th birthday, I'm sorry, we can't see it, meet anymore because you just turned 18. Right, right, of course not. And I think, you know, 18 is such an important time because that is oftentimes, you know, kids are graduating high school and then they're stepping out into the adult world in whatever form that may be, whether it's employment or whether it's college. And that's an extremely demanding time. It's a very demanding time. They're they're just getting 
their sea legs for adulthood, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think it's pretty, there's a lot of prevailing wisdom that we're extending adolescence. Yes. Yeah, I think so. And and the skill set that is uh, demanded of a young adult as they, as you say, get their sea legs is pretty enormous. I mean, if you just think about how they have to navigate the world all of a sudden. You know, absolutely. You know, it, it's a, an enormous challenge for kids that come from whatever regular families means. <laughs> but, whatever regular families means. Yeah, right. I don't know what that means, but you know, it, where there's some preparation for stepping out into the world, and then with these kids to just suddenly be cut off seems, again, re-traumatizing. Right, so. re-traumatizing, and there's nobody. There's you can't pick up the phone to mom or dad and say, "Hey." Um, yeah. This great thing just happened. I got to tell you, I'm so excited. I want to share it with you. Or, uh, you know, I'm a little short this week. Could you exactly. put me alone? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, we're getting ready to take another short break, and we will be right back, and we will continue our conversation about meeting the emotional needs to foster children with Dr. Tony. Be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy in your life or are you just settling? It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you, like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. Again, that's DrSanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back, everybody. We are talking today about meeting the emotional needs of foster children with Dr. Tony Heineman, who is the founder and director of A Home Within. And Dr. Tony, I wanted to follow up a little bit more on what we were just talking about in terms of kids stepping out into the world. And um, I, a, a few years ago, I, I um, had the opportunity to become aware of an organization that was just getting started through alumni services um, at a, a major university. And several of us became aware that there were foster kids at the school. And when holidays came, they had nowhere to go. That's right. They had no place to go. Um, and I think we were all stunned and at that time, people began to think about, well, you know, if you just look at the gathering of uh, alumni and, you know, all baby boomer age. So most people certainly had a room in their house, an extra room in their house. Their kids are gone. You know, they have a guest room right. that they could make available. But just the idea that there's invisible quality was present that no one knew about that. And at that time, they were just... Um, working on making care packages for kids who um, needed some additional help and resources over the holidays, like, you know, exactly some of the things you were mentioning. Do they have anyone to call, and do they have the means to call them? Can they pay for a phone call? Do they have a cell phone? And so we were making certain that there were those resources were available. But, you know, as I'm thinking about it, you know, I mentioned earlier about the the vast, it seems to me, uh, network of resources that could be available, that probably most people have um, some kind of community college or university or some school in their local area. And certainly those of us who are alumni of whatever institution it may be, it might be something that people could investigate or, or begin to, to explore. Like, is there an organization on campus that could help these kids? There, in, in the last decade or more, uh, the kids who are aging out of the foster care system have gotten more attention and recognition of their needs, that at 18, they're, as we're saying, they're just not prepared to go out into the adult world. And the uh, percentage of foster youth who graduate from college is alarmingly, um, sadly, low, uh, something like 3% of the kids who enter college from the foster care system. Oh, dear. Yes, it's very, very low. And they have not had the kind of support, as you point out, that they need, uh, including a place to go for the holidays. Um, And now there are programs, there are Guardian Scholars programs, there are a number of programs that are really trying to give kids the kind of support that that other kids can turn to parents for to Mm -hmm. help them through college. And so, for example, in, I'll call the olden days, Dorms were often kept open over the holidays for international mm-hmm. students, but it right. occurred to administration that there were foster kids who also needed to, a place to stay. So mm-hmm. some of those things are changing as their, uh, the awareness grows. Mm-hmm. 
which is yeah. good. But I think, to, to your point, sometimes people say, well, I'm not a therapist, but how can I help? Well, yes. you, you could contact your local community college, university, and say, you know, I, I have space available if, mm-hmm. if somebody needs um, a place to stay over the Thanksgiving holiday. And that's complicated, too, because if you're taking uh, a child who has not had the experience of, of of ongoing experience of a warm mm-hmm. and loving family into your home, it can stir up all sorts of feelings, not only for the youth, but for uh, the people that he or she is staying with. Right, and I think if there is uh, an existing umbrella organization that, that you can work with, of course, that's all the better because there are just so many things because, as you mentioned, people may say, well, how can I help? I'm not a therapist. But these kids need parenting, as well, yeah. and um, things like um, how does one behave when one is a guest in someone's home? Right. Um, you know, how do you do those things? How do you manage those things? How do you do the laundry? How do you, you know, whatever it may be? How do you go do the marketing? And there are just so many things that, in my experience, these kids um, don't know because no one has taught them. Right. There's a lot, and as um, we've said, you know, it you have to hear something at least seven times before it really sticks. Right. Ask um, any mom. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Madison Avenue. They get paid a lot of money to get That's us to right. buy things by telling us the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so I think it's a those things, and it's the little things. It's the repetition. It's the repetition over and over and over again. Um, then until it, it kind of becomes part of woven into the fabric of your being. You don't have to think about it. Yes. And when things are new, it, new, learning new skills demands a lot of energy. We have to think. Mm-hmm. We have to practice. We have to make mistakes. We don't do things automatically. Right. And, and coming into yet another situation, I imagine that, especially if there's not a therapist involved, has a twinge of that re-traumatization, even if it's uh, a quality or a temporary, well-known temporary situation. Right. So when you think about, let's say, you're 17 or 18 and you've got a summer job, it's a new place, you're a little anxious, you don't know how it works, it's you're on edge, but you go home where it's familiar. Mm -hmm. and. The house smells the same. You have some familiar food. Your clothes are there. Everything is there. But imagine now differently. You're, let's say, you're seven years old and you've been living with one family, and now you're moved to another family. The rules may be different. The food mm-hmm. may be different. The, um, the the community may be different. So, mm-hmm. for example, I'm in San Francisco, and 65% of our kids are not placed in San Francisco. They're placed outside of the city. Well, the Central Valley and San Francisco are very, very different places. Oh, yes. Um, and so and you have to learn new rules. And there's no, there's no familiar place to retreat to to take a deep breath, get your bearings again. Mm-hmm. So and I that's think how we regroup, isn't it? That is how we regroup. Right. So if you get if your family moves cross country, you still have the same furniture. You may have the same pet. Your mom still cooks the same food or your dad still cooks the same food, whoever or you order out the same whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um and and you have that protection of the family 
to find your way in a new community, in a mm-hmm. new school, in a new neighborhood with new friends. These kids do it on their own. They're all alone. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't mean they don't have the system, the caseworker, but the caseworker drops them off and goes home. Right. And the foster parents are new people to them. Right. I, I like what you just, the phrase you just used, the protection of the family. Families are protective um, forces. Yes. Protective factors. Yep. Yeah. I just, I like the way that resonates in terms of, you know, something really people can think of, even if they're not talking about foster kids, but if they're, say, looking at their own family and the things you just mentioned sometimes go out of awareness and really aren't spoken about, but they're so critical, I think, like exactly what you said about people coming home to the same smells. You know, or they walk in the door and they know, oh, mom's making meatloaf tonight. Right. They know the way it smells. Right. Or, you know, oh, no, it's liver and onions or something. (laughs) Exactly. It goes both ways, doesn't it? It goes both ways. But it's familiar. It's known. And those are the things that are comforting to people and stabilizing. And do I really have to do my chores? Do I really have to? Yeah, yeah. And and the answer is always well yes of course you do <laughs> you know and, and and there's comfort in that yes you know the the limits and boundaries are known exactly the, yeah. they're very 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 important yeah so yeah just um, again you know when you were mentioning that these kids do everything by themselves that demands incredible resiliency does it not it yes and I I. I always worry a lot, or I always worry when we talk about how resilient kids are, because I sometimes think that means that we don't take enough care to make sure they don't have to be so resilient. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Resilience is a really good thing, Um, and we all have have variables in how Mm -hmm. resilient we are. We're Mm -hmm. not equally resilient in every every day, in every every domain. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes we're more brittle. Um, we've then had an illness or we've had a, an illness in the family or something's not going well, that we're not at our most resilient at those times. And the other thing that happens with, with trauma and the resilience, so kids who are in the foster care system often are suffering from what we talk about as complex trauma. Mm-hmm. It's not a single acute inst- instance. It's uh, repetitive trauma. And what happens neurologically is we get, in response to trauma, we gear up to mm-hmm. protect ourselves with right. the fight, flight, fight freeze flight. response. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't get reset, which it does after acute trauma, eventually we relax, we get back to baseline, it keeps getting higher and higher and higher. Mm-hmm. And so this, the organism never has time to really calm down again. And that interferes with a lot of things. It interferes with social relationships. It interferes with learning. You know, there's an optimal level of arousal for learning. Too high, and we can't learn. Right. Too low, and we don't learn. We're, we're depressed or we, we're bored. We're, you know, teachers, good mm-hmm. teachers know this. They know exactly right. where to, how much to ask a child to stretch. Mm-hmm. And um, so... Kids who are suffering from complex trauma live in a heightened state of arousal, which mm-hmm. makes all sorts of just normal daily activities difficult. It can mean just physically they're, they're tense. Um, right. 
it means that they're on guard in relationships, that they, it's hard for them just to relax and have fun and um, enjoy being with other kids or get help from adults. So I think it's important to keep in mind. Um, and then when we're talking about the other side for foster parents, for example, or teachers who have foster kids in their class, they become wary, too, because they're never quite sure what kind of a reaction they might get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it's so powerful on so many levels, and certainly some of these kids are, from what you're describing, on their way to PTSD. Um, oh, yeah. And, and associated traumatic syndrome. So, wow, we, the incidence we have a lot of work PTSD. to do, Dr. Tony. We, do. <laughs> we have a lot yeah. of work to do. <laughs> the incidence of PTSD is higher in the foster care uh, population than it is among uh, vets returning from Iraq. I was afraid you were going to say that. Yeah. Well, we uh, need to take another short break. So we will be right back and we are learning how to help meet emotional needs of foster children uh, with Dr. Tony Hinneman. Be right back. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you happy with your financial life or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories resulting in transformed lives. You will learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back, everyone. We're talking today about the foster kids and how to meet their emotional needs with my guest, Dr. Tony Henneman, and her organization called A Home Within. And um, I think Dr. Tony has shared a lot of information about the the what I'm going to call the complex and deep needs that these kids have on many, many different levels. And I think that there are lots of ways to help and uh, maybe you could share some of the specifics uh, with us, Dr. Tony, about how to help and how people find you and how they can get involved in particular with your organization if they want to. Okay. We, I hope, are pretty easy to find. A Ahomewithin.org. Uh, that's a home within. And um, that came from when we were trying to find a name, the idea that it's the home that we carry inside of us that allows mm-hmm. us to go out into the world, mm-hmm. and we're trying to help. Um, we're trying to help foster kids build that internal home. That that is where we live with all mm-hmm. of our relationships. Mm-hmm. So we're on the we're on the web, homewithin.org. We have two programs: the direct services that we've been talking about, where clinicians provide individual open-ended psychotherapy. We have another program called Fostering Relationships, which is fosteringrelationships.org. That's uh, online training and support for anybody working in the foster care community or anybody working with traumatized kids who want to understand more about complex trauma and how to address it. So there's a lot of information there that is available to um, to the public. We Oh, we have tools for people. Uh, we have decks of conversation cards, which are mm. used to help people have some of those difficult conversations about identity, about loss, about mm-hmm. uh, gender, and um, so we're trying to make make things available for people who want to be helpful to to kids or mm-hmm. uh, to to teens and young adults. So, is that like uh, a flashcard, but it it has a topic on it? There are decks. There are 16 cards in a deck, and um, on the front is a beautiful photograph, and on the back is a quote and a suggestion for thinking about the quote and then some suggested activity. Mm. So one of these are carefully, very, very carefully designed to take into account providing trauma-informed care. And so every card has a beginning and a middle and an end so that you can have a conversation knowing that there's a way to end the conversation, oh. uh, which is often why people are afraid to start a conversation because mm-hmm. they don't know. I know I'm supposed to be talking about sexuality, but how am I going to stop once I get started? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's so true. And that's true really for everybody, isn't it? For all parents. It is. It yeah. is for all parents, indeed. So we now have, I think, 16, or no, we have 10 different decks of cards and we're adding to them all the time. We are going to do one on resilience. Uh, that that one's in the works, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two programs. So what can people do to help Actually, I wrote a blog about the, around the first of the year about New Year's resolutions, sort of thinking, well, what can I do? How can I, what can I tell people that they can do instead of saying, well, we only do therapy. I'm sorry, we can't be helpful. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about uh, a while ago in this program about offering, uh, you might have a room where a foster kid could stay during a holiday, for example. Mm-hmm. You could find mentoring uh, there are lots of really good mentoring programs for uh, foster care. And I think, as we were saying, it's 
helpful to go through uh, an agency or an organization that's already established mm-hmm. so that so that it you have support for the relationship right I think um, you p- people can provide respite care um, uh-huh. you, you know the foster parent may need a may need a break mm-hmm. um, just to go have a cup of coffee with a friend mm-hmm. uh, so that there are some things like that. You don't have to take the child. You don't have to say, I'll take the child for the weekend. You can do it for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. I think you could also go to foster parent associations. There are often um, groups in various communities and, and ask the parents there, How is there anything I can do to be helpful? Mm-hmm. Would, it, would, it, would you like it if I brought... Um, brownies for your meeting tonight or would be helpful mm-hmm. if I came and sat with the the littler kids and did games and coloring so that you could meet. So I think there mm-hmm. are some things that um, that individuals can do. You don't have to be you don't have to be a foster parent. You don't mm-hmm. have to be a therapist, but you can be creative and think of ways to be helpful to the people who are doing the day-to-day work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like those suggestions because I always um, uh, encourage people to start small if they're trying something new and take baby steps. And, you know, baking brownies or making a meal for a family, especially if a family's in transition. Um, exactly. You know, sometimes just, oh, do I have to make another meal seems a little overwhelming. But if, you know, you can say to a family, you know, I know you have a new child you've welcomed in, and uh, I'd like to bring dinner over tomorrow night. Exactly. You know, sometimes that's pretty profound, and, it, and it's for the person who's doing it, it's usually pretty small, but the person who's receiving it, it can be pretty big. I, I agree. Or, you know, I've heard uh, people who, a couple of people got together and sort of adopted a, a caseworker unit and mm-hmm. periodically would take in a really scrumptious lunch. Mm, mm-hmm. That's no. really nice as well. Yeah, yeah. spreading the love. Yeah. I, I, I want to make sure um, to also, um, Dr. Tony, we have a chance. I know you have a new book out. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. It just yes. arrived on my doorstep this morning, oh, so it's pretty exciting. It's called Relational Treatment of Trauma, Stories of Loss and Hope, and it's a collection of uh, papers that I've written over a period of about 10 years about um, treating trauma, uh, not all about foster kids, mm-hmm. but uh, really thinking and talking and writing about the importance of the relationship as um, helping people overcome trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And where do people buy it? Uh, it's You can buy it on the web from Taylor and Francis, which is the publisher, uh, or from Amazon. Uh, but if you Google uh, relational treatment of trauma, um, you'll... There will be a website that will take you someplace where you can buy it. We can purchase it. Okay, great. Well, I really want to thank you today for your time, Dr. Tony. It's been very interesting and enlightening, and uh, I look forward to further conversations. Well, thank you so much for having me. I very, very much enjoyed talking with you, and I hope... I hope it's been helpful to your audience. I hope so. And I think our ideas, even though sometimes we're talking about fosters, some of the ideas we shared are applicable to anybody in any family situation. I agree. So, 
Thanks once again. And uh, next week, my guest will be author Betsy Thompson, and we will be talking about her book, Love Human, and the process of finding comfort in an uncomfortable world. And you can always get the latest information on my shows and my guests on my Facebook page, Dr. Linda Sanicola. And today I leave you with the words of Stephen Covey. Trust is the glue of life. It is the most essential ingredient in effective communication. It's the foundational principle that holds all relationships. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening. Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola can be heard each Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week.